Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Question for you, Lise. Are we taking the popular opinion and statement, our youth are our future leaders of tomorrow, seriously? That's a good question. Why, thank <laughs> I, you. Thank you for... I, <laughs> Well, you know, the whole thing with youth, we just, we, you know, we love pouring into the youth and believe in really pouring into that next generation. And I think, you know, even to challenge that statement a little bit or your question, um, I think that we, so many times we see them as the future, but really they are today. They're leading today and they're impacting today. And I think we can't overlook that. So maybe the question is back to you is how do we really take care of them and, and how are we protecting them and how are we enabling them and pouring into them to, to really be leaders today in their own circle of influence? And I think that is, that is significant. And, and you know, it, it's easy in, in our culture today to just kind of put them off or let them do their own thing and not really invest and pour into them. So we are excited, I know, Patty, about our show today because we um, we're honored to have some pretty significant guests on our show. We were saying we have a lot of doctors in the house today um, <laughs> we, that are going to share their insights and um, just some thoughts from different perspectives on, on just really how, to, how are we protecting our youth and how are we leading our youth. And um, I, I'm sure I just want to challenge you know our listeners, you're going to want to lean in today, whether you find yourself in that season of life where you're raising young young children or you have teens at home or whether you're somebody like me that is a, a very young grandma I want to very say young, and so, yeah and you're looking at are my grandchildren I'm looking at them going how do we protect them and how do we pour into them so I think there's going to be something for everybody and we have authors and experts Dr. Justin Holcomb with us today Dr. Jeremy Lee and Dr. Jim Burns, and they'll be joining our conversation. So before we get too much farther into our show, we just want to remind everyone that you're listening to Girlfriend It Radio with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, where we rally you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships. And we're going to have more information about today's show and other tips and tricks on our website at girlfriendit.com. And you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Well, first of all, you did such a great job in talking about our doctors in the house. And our first doctor is Ph.D. Justin Holcomb. He is a minister and a professor at Gordon Cornwell Theological Seminary. He has a Ph.D. in theology. And he also, which this is um, so amazing, you and I, this is tugging on our heartstrings, co-founded and serves on the boards of Rest, which is Real Escape from the Sex Trade, and Grace, which is Godly Response to Abuse in Christian Environments. He has authored, co-authored, or edited more than 10 books, and Justin and his wife conduct a variety of training seminars on how to prevent recognize and respond to child sexual and domestic abuse. They have also written a number of books together, including Is It My Fault and Rid of My Disgrace. The Holcombs live in Orlando and are parents of two young children for whom they wrote this book. So welcome, Justin. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. And I have a quick question about all the doctors. Are are any of them real doctors, MDs, or are we all nerd doctors? <laughs> 
Well, you know, we can't answer that. <laughs> You're going to have to tell us. We, we are excited, though, because we have a lot of uh, brain power in, in the room today. So, <laughs> my, grandmother, my grandmother found out that I was going to, I have a Ph.D. and not a medical doctor. And she, she said years ago, oh, so you're not a real doctor? I've been lying to my friends the whole time. So. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's always good when your grandma believes in you like that. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so, well, I, first of all, do you prefer to go by uh, Dr. Holcomb or can we call you Justin? What does grandma say about that? <laughs> Just Justin is great. Justin and, uh, is great. Yeah, but I want, to, I want you to know we recognize you as a real doctor, all right, Dustin? Thank so you. with that in mind, we'll go forward, okay? Thank you very much. I feel, that feels better. That heals the past from Grandma's Good. Wounds. We're all about transformation and healing. So. Thank you. Well, Justin, we have to just start out by asking you. You've just finished um, this amazing book, God Made All of Me. And this is just a simply told, beautifully illustrated storybook for children between the ages of two and eight that um, you you guys wrote this to help parents um, start the conversations about um, just all kinds of interactions, appropriate, inappropriate touch. Uh, the topic just goes on and on. So just to start out, what uh, even what happened in your life that you said, hey, th- there's a void out here. We need to write this book for parents. There's a few different things. I mean, it, it's a kid's book, so that's that's the key. Is many people need to know, like this. This isn't like a book to parents on you know strategic thinking. This is a kid's book. This is a tool for parents, and we have a uh, you know one page in the front to parents about the issue and some helpful suggest- suggestions in the back for parents. But it's a children's book, and we wrote it because one, we we had children, so we 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 were using about three or four different books and using a few pages from each book. And we thought, man, if we could just make the book that we need, that would be great. And that was, that was a real impetus for it was there just needs to be a good book that just does everything that hits um, the basic ideas of, you know, the doctrine of creation, that God made everything and he made you and he made it good. And from that springboarding into the application of that, that you're the image of God um, he made all of your body and all of it special, and it should be, you know, treated with dignity and and not harmed, and and not certain parts should never be touched by anyone else, um, you know, except for you know marriage, blah blah blah. Uh, but uh, so that was one was just there was a need for it in general, and we talked to our friends who were parents also, and then my wife, she when we started dating, she worked in a sexual assault crisis center. And her, she, she worked for the Survivors Advocacy Group, and she worked with the adults. Well, her best friend and coworker worked with the children survivors, and so this is just a. We, we knew how bad it was. One in five children will be sexually abused in before they're eighteen, and and those are those are the low numbers. That the, there's it's probably worse than that, but no one debates that number, and and so we wanted to go with the most conservative number possible, not to. You know, we don't want to be charged with fear-mongering. So we knew how bad the issue was also, and we thought it would be helpful to have a distinctly Christian voice and tool out there. And the other one was I, I experienced, you know, I, I was older. I was about 10 or 11 when I had an extended family member, um, you know, sin against me in this way. So knowing firsthand how important it is to have um, have as many tools out there. So it was basically it was from a personal um, 
personal place of my experience and being parents um, from a, a professional place from my wife's experience and then pastoral I'm, I'm a minister also I teach seminary but I'm also a, a minister and in, in knowing that that uh, the Christian faith and the Christian church needs to be engaged on this issue more than it is now mm. Okay, the fact that you're even acknowledging that the church has to be engaged on this issue, because uh, Lisa and I also work a lot within um, just uh, the sexual industry and helping women get out of you know human trafficking, and we go into the strip clubs and just um, just love these these gals that are there. And, you know, hopefully let them see the light and see Jesus through uh, our actions. But uh, story after story, when we were talking with these these girls of just the spiritual abuse, and I wasn't even aware of of a lot that had gone on in within the church and how, um, how the spiritual abuse is taking place. And if we're not engaged and we're not making people aware and educating them, um, I think there's just so many wounded people. And so I, I want to go back to even with, with you when you said, um, you were abused in this. It, it's, it's always a shock to me when I hear that from a male perspective. So at what point did you acknowledge that, oh, this wasn't, a, you know, this wasn't normal. This was not appropriate touch. And, you know, how old were you? Because that's what, you know, so many times when yeah. I hear of people, I think, well, how come you never shared? How come you never told anyone? Uh, I, I knew it right when it happened. I was thinking, this is messed up. Um, mm-hmm. And I have great parents who told me, hey, you can always talk to us about anything. Um, so told mom and dad and mom and dad took care of it. And uh, mm-hmm. so there was, I had, I had one of the, uh, I had the best case scenario and, and it's not the norm. And I know that if you, if you have religious parents and you tell them that usually what most children have heard from their parents is either like, uh, we're not going to talk about this again or shame. Like, well, mm-hmm. what did you do? Like, and, and so they usually met with silence or shame and I had the opposite, and uh, so the uh, I, so there was there was no um, there was no moment where it was even really a secret, or I didn't even have to flinch about what I was going to do next. Hmm. Um. Okay, I just want to even oh, go. Can I look something else that yes. you said about the shock about men? One in six. I mean, the the our, we wrote the book rid of my disgrace for uh, for assault victims and the numbers are one in four women and one in six men are or will be victims in their lifetime and those numbers on one in six are usually shocking to a lot of people but that's uh, th- that's helpful for people to understand because this isn't a women's issue um, it's men, men are predominantly the perpetrators and the 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 stats on men as victims is almost as bad as the stats for women. So this is hardly a women's issue. Um, so that's helpful to have in mind too. I, I, you know that is so true because I know you look at like I just remember even when my son was growing up and little boys you would hear that that you know they you have to be just as careful with little boys as with little girls. So you're right. It is not just one or the other. And we just have to be aware. Well, we have to take a break in just a few seconds, but um, 
I, when we come back from the break, I would love to hear your thoughts on, um, I, I know there's a lot of fear in this. It's like, oh gosh, you know, I got to really protect my children. Watch out. And how do we start the conversation with our kids without instilling fear in them? You know, that's a difficult thing, finding that balance. So they're not afraid to walk out the door, but yet they can be aware of what's appropriate and inappropriate and just kind of be aware of what's going on around them. And I think that's a, you know, kind of a dance of a conversation. So when we come back from our break, let's talk about that a little bit more. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Dr. Justin. This is Girlfriended on Toginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's words you never heard. Can you wiggle your ears? Studies suggest that only 10 to 20% of humans are able to wiggle their ears. That's pretty ostrobogulous. Ostrobogulous is another word for bizarre or unusual. Of course, many animals have the ability to independently turn their ears in the direction of a sound by using their auricular muscles. In humans, ear wiggling is thought to be more of a vestigial feature, meaning it was once a useful trait of our ancient ancestors, but not needed anymore. Some people can't stop wiggling their ears. This rare moving ear syndrome is known as dyskinesia. This can be a pretty embarrassing condition, especially if you are macrotus or have big ears. It's marching day. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Back with author Dr. Justin Holcomb, who is the author of God Made All of Me. And we went on to a commercial break talking about the statistics of one in four women and one in six men will be victims of sexual abuse. And just the, the fear that many times, you know, as listeners, we it just gets instilled in us. We don't want to operate out of fear, but to truly operate out of the hope of just being aware and the conversations that we can start with our kids. So, um, Justin, you you went into that, and I, I want to even go back to you uh, mentioned that your parents, instead of um, with feeling shame or, well, what did you do to, you know, create this, cause this to happen, 
that you didn't feel any of that um, to kind of know exactly like what do we say? How do we start those conversations with our kids or when they do come to us, how do we approach that topic um, to just help facilitate where they can come back and and share with you even more because that that just seems so rare for kids to be able to feel comfortable having that conversation with their parents. Yeah, unfortunately, it is. Uh, so if, if the child comes to you, you know, reporting anything that you think is inappropriate, then the, it's very important for the parents to communicate clearly and say clearly, "I believe you." Um, you know, how can I help? And, and you didn't do anything wrong. I mean, I believe you. You didn't do anything wrong. Let's let's go with this. And so that's that's really important when your child comes to you. The uh, but to start the conversation, uh, the, it's better to actually have numerous conversations leading up to. You know, m- many parents think, oh yeah, at some point, sometime between probably seven and like you know twelve, I need to talk about the birds and the bees and have the talk. That's a horrible strategy. You need to be having the talks starting from, you know, really early on. Making it normal to talk about their the proper names of their body parts and, you know, so it was it was just normal. My girls grew up in knowing body part names, they knew what private parts were that no one should touch their private parts. And so that actually one protected them, but two, it set up for when we actually did talk about know how babies are made which we just did last month because they we kept on giving them answers <laughs> we were like you know, we, gave, we gave them like a, a more basic answer and then finally my seven-year-old said so connect the dots well how does this really happen and we're like okay here we go and uh and it was hilarious watching their little faces kind of like what <laughs> um, but it, it makes it it normalizes it and then it opens up the lines of communication they know hey mom and dad talked to me about this stuff, and so they, they know, okay, well, this is a topic that they talked about. And if you say to them, if you have any questions ever, there's nothing you can say that will be uh, off limits at any question. Like, I'm, this is what we're here for. We're here to talk and answer questions. Do you have any questions? Do you have any questions? No. So inviting the conversation, opening up the lines of communication is key, and making it a normal conversation is key. And But when you talk about... I mean, my girls, this is what my girls are asking right now. And my youngest, who's uh, five and a half, she's afraid of kidnappers right now. I don't know where she got that from. Maybe she heard about the the, the word, and she's like, wait, are there kidnappers? And we're like, well, sometimes people do want to take kids. She's she's just very worried about, you know, how that happened. I had to go drive around. I actually drove her around until I could. I showed her where all the cops were around her neighborhood. We actually stopped and talked to a police officer and we said, how long does it take for you to get to our house? And he was like, oh, a minute. I'm like, well, we'd be there in a heartbeat. And, uh, but she's, she's afraid of that because that's just life, and we tried to minimize it. Same thing with you know, tricky people. That's the language we use that would want to touch. Because if you tell a child no one should touch you in your private parts, they're going to go, well, who would do that? Like, well, yeah, who would do that? Um, tricky people. Sometimes there's people who – that. They they want to do bad and wrong things, and that's a really bad thing. And they would want to do that to children, and that's horrible. And and uh, and so you have you have to give them the category, but then reinforcing mom and dad's job is to protect you, and God protects you, and God loves you. And my little girl, she when she was worried about the kidnappers, she at dinner she she said, "Hey, dad." Will you find a Bible verse so we can pray about it, about God protecting me? And I was like, sure. 
love to. Let's do it. So we're memorizing a, a, a particular passage in Psalms. Um, so you don't want to use fear to have the conversation. You want to be ready that if you do talk about this, they will have questions, and the appropriate response is fear. And how do you how do you um, how do you not give them a platitude with also not instilling fear in them and making them nervous everywhere they go? And that's that's the trick of parenting. That's the magic and the art of parenting is how do you love that child with their questions and their concerns, and how do you communicate to that child in a way that will work for them really well? Mm. I, I love your term, tricky people, because, uh, yeah, I, I think so many times with, with kids when they're younger, uh, they think someone's going to come up and the, the, it's almost like they're going to be wearing the T-shirt saying, I'm, I'm the bad guy, rather than, you know, teaching them, hey, it will be the tricky person that you're not even going to be aware that they're the bad guy. I laugh when you're talking about naming body parts, because when my son was that age, uh, my husband and I, I'll, and I'll never forget it when we walked into his room and he's on the bunk bed and we started talking to him. You know, we wanted to make sure that he had all of his questions answered. And so as we're going along, finally, he's, he says, can we stop talking about this? And my husband said, why? What, why do you want to stop? And he goes, because I can't handle that mommy keeps saying penis. <laughs> it, it was just, well, you're just not ready for that. You know, it's like, yes. oh, okay, this was just a little bit too much for him to yeah. have to keep hearing those, those words. So uh, it, it, it is interesting how their little minds can, um, what they're taking in. But um, <laughs> when, you're, when you're sharing um, with your, your kids, I think once again, when Lisa and I are talking to um, a lot of these, these girls that are adults now that have had, you know, hor horrific things happen to them when they were younger. So many times we hear, I did not know how to say stop. I didn't want to hurt their feelings or I was put in a situation where I didn't know how to get out of that situation. So for our listeners, how do you, you know, share that to, with your kids? Yeah. And, and this is, we actually, there's like four or five main practical issues from the book that we kind of hit on, and this is one of them, that you're allowed to say no and stop if you don't want, want someone to touch you. And it doesn't have to be a private part. It could be any kind of touch that you just don't want them to do anymore. And, and so you, you tell them you can say stop or no more and expect them to stop, and they should stop. And if, if that happens and they don't stop, tell us and, and scream louder. Um, we actually practically, I used to play a game with the girls and I still do. And, uh, it was the, um, it was the stop, uh, stop or no more game where I would just tickle them until they would say stop and no, or no more. And then I would stop immediately. I, I wanted them to be so accustomed to when they say stop, they expect it. And I said, now, what do you do if I don't stop? And they were like, oh, I don't know. And I was like, you say it louder and louder and call for help then. And they're like, okay. So, and all they knew is that they were calling for their mom to help them get daddy to stop tickling them. Now they know that there's more to that. And uh, so I wanted to, you know, you say stop and expect it. And if they don't stop, you say it louder and stronger. And they're like, okay. And I mean, now we've actually, you know, in one sense, I think we've created monsters because literally um, you know, just, just last week in church, you know, we're, si we're sitting there and one of my girls um, went to, you know, patted the other one and, accidentally hit her bottom, her butt, and also in church, our other one goes, hey, don't touch my private parts, really loud. And we're like, hey, she wasn't, 
she wasn't trying to, but I, I, I like the sensitivity, so we're good. But it's just really funny because, you know, they'll or they know their body parts so well. Uh, we we took our daughter to the to the doctor and and we were sitting there and the, the doctor said, "Well, how you doing?" She goes, it, "My vagina hurts when I pee." And the doctor looked at us like, "Whoa, uh, whoa, <laughs> she's okay." Um, just kind of, it was just kind of matter of fact though, and that's the really good thing is that it was just because parents can make parents determine what normal is. Mm. Parents make it normal that. It's okay. It's a body part. That's what it is. It's not like it's not your it's not your no no. It's not some cupcake. It's it's a body part. That's what it is. And it's, it's it, so the matter of factness can be really helpful and kind of demystify and and help take away some of the shame. You're not ignoring it and you're not turning it into a game. Um, it's just a part that God made and it's good. It's important. Um, and and the other thing about about having these conversations, I mean, the average age of porn exposure for children is 11.1 years of age. So parents kind of need to be on the front end of talking about this stuff way before they think they do sometimes, because if the average exposure to porn is 11, that means there's some that are way younger. Um, you know, there's there's eight-year-olds who have been exposed to it and younger than that. So, uh, and, and when you live in a culture like I I literally, like, I'm trying to watch a football game, and my girls, and I like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they're not doing too hot, but we're, every time we watch a football game, they're like, hey, why are those girls dressed up in their underwear in front of people? I'm like, I know, it's crazy. And we live in Florida, we go to the beach, and we're like, why does she have string going in her butt like that? I'm like, that's a bathing suit. I mean, so I literally, you, know, you have to have these conversations with kids because unless you keep them in a bubble, they're going to see some crazy things and and have some very important questions. So, um, so being on the on the front end of these conversations is going to serve your children and your family for the long haul. Mm. You're absolutely right, Justin. It, it is those ongoing conversations and making it feel like it's normal. So I know when our kids were young and they would talk to us, he's like, okay, don't act shocked. Don't let your face, you know, the facial expression communicate anything that might make them feel shame or feel misunderstood or like, okay, what's wrong with me? But it's those ongoing, it's not the talk. It's like you said, it's a continuation of talks and making it as normal as possible for them. So they feel like, okay, I can bring this to you. You're not going to react were to make me feel weird. And I know that you are my protector. I think that's important for kids. Well, we just have, we just want to say thank you so much for joining our show and conversation and, and, um, and just speaking into this in just the 30 seconds we have left, how can people find out about you? And you talked about grace, which you, which is something you offer churches and families. So how can people find out information about your book and about what you offer? Yeah. Uh, com has information on everything that justin h-o-l-c-o-m-b dot com and the book there's information of the book at god made all of me dot com and it's available on cbd and amazon and all of that so um it's been out there um and it's it's, it's still in the number it's number one in its section on uh children's safety on amazon it's been uh it, it took off more than we even imagined um so well, justin we have to go thank you we, I just encourage our listeners to find out more information. We'll be right back after this quick break. This is Girlfriend on Togginap. 
Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90-plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one-of-a-kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like-minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Reaching out from the heartland of the United States with quality programming, this is Tokinet Radio. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's baby and toddler instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lipman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show, on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, we have been talking about some amazing things on parenting and raising your children and being able to have fabulous conversations with them. But joining us now, we have Dr. Jim Burns and Jeremy Lee. Jeremy Lee is the founder of ParentMinistry.net, a subscription-based service for children and youth ministry workers. He was on the writing team for the Simple Truth Bible from Group Publishing and the Ignite Study Bible from Thomas Nelson Publishers. And Jeremy lives in Nashville with his wife and children. So, Lisa, maybe you can figure out another way to get to Nashville since you own that city there. I love that city. (laughs) We also have Dr. Jim Burns, is an award-winning author, a renowned youth and family expert and founder of the Homeward Radio program that reaches more than 1 million people across the country every day. He is president of Homeward and executive director of the Homeward Center for Youth and Family. And Jim speaks to thousands annually at leadership, marriage, and parenting events around the world. He has more than 1.5 million resources in print in more than 25 languages. So we could go on and on about these two and how incredible they are, but instead, We'll actually hear from them. So how are you today, Jeremy? Oh, I'm doing great, and I'm glad to hear I've got some Nashville fans here. This is going to be really fun. We don't, oh, we don't I love Nashville. We can talk about the book if you don't want to. We can talk about Nashville. 
<laughs> well, I, you know, as a matter of fact, I have to start out, Jeremy, because um, Nashville, Lisa and I went there several years ago. And um, whenever we go into a city when we're traveling to speak, we always own one or the other. And whoever claims that particular city gets to make all the choices on where we eat <laughs> and, um, you know, even down to what car we drive. So when we were in Nashville, uh, Lisa owned it and she took full advantage. I mean, I, I tell you, I had to do every single Nashville experience that you could possibly even name. And I, I believe she made us drive around in a, in a bright orange Jeep. So um, I, I'm never, I, she's just not going to hear the end of it. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. So, well, your buddy, uh, Dr. Jim Burns, apparently has abandoned us today. So it looks <laughs> It looks like you are going to be our entertainment. You know, I'll try my hardest to, uh, <laughs> you know, Jim is um, a hard act to follow, but I'll do my best. <laughs> well, as soon as I say that and I tease you that you're the entertainment, I, apparently we do have Dr. Jim is on the line. So awesome. you, you can wipe your brow there, Jeremy. You guys are upset. Well, first of all, we just have to say thank you, thank you, thank you to both of you for even writing this book, Pass It On, because we feel like this is such a significant topic for anybody to get their hands on from ministry leaders to parents to be able to go, what is going on here? Um, what's this legacy that we need to leave for our children and just, you know, have that vision there of how important it is for this next gen generation to step up and, and be the leaders of today. So the first question and, and for, for either of you, um, what, what brought you to writing this book? Pass it on. Well, I'll start, and I'll let this Jim, by the way. Sorry I was late. Hi, Jim. <laughs> um, I was actually speaking at the church that Jeremy was working at at the time, and uh, it was a parent seminar, and that's what Homer does. We're the largest provider of parenting seminars in the U.S., and we happened to be doing one there, and I didn't know Jeremy, but then afterwards, he started telling me what he was doing with rites of passage, and I said, Jeremy, this is what my dream is, what you're doing it. And so we developed a friendship and actually a real respect for what Jeremy was doing through parentministry.net. And uh, then it, you know, evolved into to this book, but it really has been a dream and a passion of ours, both of ours, you know, for a long time. It's interesting how God does that. God will put, mm -hmm. place something on my heart in Southern California, his heart in Tennessee. Mm -hmm. uh, all over the world we're seeing this, that people are saying, how do we celebrate rites of passages? And, and we think we've come up with a really great way to help families uh, bring faith conversations into the home in a very simple, practical, and beautiful way. So I'll let Jeremy take it from there, but it was the kind of thing where I just went, oh my gosh, this guy who, I'm just, who I've just met is doing what I've been dreaming about for you know, a long, long time. Mm -hmm. Sure. So let's, let's set the record straight real quick. As a youth minister, uh, Dr. Jim Burns is like the godfather of family ministry. If y'all didn't figure that out by listening to his bio when you introduced him, he is the man. So to have him have any respect for anything I was doing was one of the greatest honors of my uh, life, for sure. So when he showed interest, he actually shared with me that, I believe, Jim, in your doctoral research, you've, you've done some work on writing passage, and he was already heading in that direction. This was actually my dissertation for my uh, for my master's at Princeton. So, it, and I'm laughing that you know now here it's a reality and we're talking about it. It's pretty cool. 
Well, Jeremy, yeah, so I we have were... to interrupt you too. Um, I, I don't know how old I was when Dr. Jim Burns' name came up, but I, I know my brother, David Lynn, wrote some youth specialty stuff. And Lisa, you and your husband, your husband was in uh, the ministry with youth, right? And yeah, I won't, I won't say yes, um, Jim, but I, I just remember your materials and your stuff. My husband, we were in youth ministry years ago, and you really were a leader in that field and really well known and re highly respected as you are today, but you really did help change a generation. So I just want to well, thank you th for, for using well, your voice. Thank you, and thank you time. for making me feel so old. <laughs> I know we are very young. We are very young because I'm still very young. And I remember we were all very, very young at the time. <laughs> so I want to emphasize that. <laughs> That's funny. So Jeremy, you, we, we keep interrupting you. You had a great thought. So <laughs> keep no, it going. Uh, oh, absolutely. Well, basically, you know, to, to be able to, uh, you know, have an opportunity to work with Jim has been a great honor. And just to be honest, it was fun to watch what God has begun in this one church. Jim has helped uh, work with me, and we've now been able to uh, get it into thousands of homes. And, you know, that's humbling and really exciting. Yeah. Well, okay, so explain a little bit more. So, Dick, I... You know, it is always such a great story how God connects people and puts it on people's hearts, and then he brings you guys together, and you're like, okay, we've got to do this. So explain to us a little bit more, you know, why it is important for parents to create that spiritual legacy um, for their children and to really pour into that and, and, um, and to really start. I think this is a concept that's kind of foreign to a lot of us, especially in America, this whole generational mentality, because we just think kind of one dimension right now and we want instant results and we want it right now. And yet, you know, the rest of the world over time has thought about generations. You know, when you read the Bible, it's the generations and the genealogies, and we don't tend to, to go that direction. Can you speak into that, the significance of that kind of thinking and even how that affects our parenting? Well, you're exactly right, because, uh, you know, most of us are just trying to get through Friday. <laughs> Yay. Mm -hmm. And oh my gosh, we wake up on Saturday and go, we got to, you know, take our kids to soccer and uh, dance and all these other things. And, uh, you know, we're just, we're, we're just going from day to day. And, and that's because of the breathless pace in which we tend to live our lives here in America, even among Christians. But you're right. It is generational. And actually the Bible's very clear that it's the job of the parents to impress faith on their children. They work with the church to do that. Um, incidentally, your brother, David Lynn totally gets this big, big time. Um, many conversations with him, a great friend, but, uh, what, what Jeremy and I were most concerned about was that kids are leaving the church. My heavens, uh, you know, the statistics lately have been about 65% of kids who graduate from high school leave the church. And, uh, you know, that's not a good statistic. What we have found is that there is a much greater chance that kids will stay in the church when they have faith conversations in the home. So this is what you're talking about in terms of building the generations. Mm -hmm. And so what we said, most parents feel ill-equipped. I mean, Kathy and I, I'm, you know, our background is, is, you know, youth ministry, et cetera. But the truth was, is we felt ill-equipped to speak to our own, you know, kids, three three daughters, so no homer, no homeruns are drawn in our life, of course. But those three daughters, exactly. um, how did we do that without lecture, preachy, make faith conversations natural? And, you know, celebrating rites of passages is a really a yearly experience. It's not, an, it's not a Bible study. I mean, it's a yearly experience where you're um, – having a, a celebration, you're 
um, giving them a, a symbol. You know, there's just that you give them a gift that's kind of symbolic of whatever the particular issue is for that year, whether it be, you know, uh, ser- serving as a kindergartner or manhood woman ceremony at, you know, 12th grade. I mean, you know, each, each year. And so what we found was that became, if, if we could do the simple and give parents the, really the confidence to have these conversations, then they're going to go, wow, this is working in our, our life. And the end result is kids stay in the church and they practice faith for their life. And then generationally, then they do it to the next generation. That's exactly what happened and has happened before the time of Jesus with, with the Jewish tradition. One of the reasons why that tradition has stayed so strong is because they practice rites of passage. I mean, bar mitzvahs, bat mitzvahs, things like that. And we in the Christian faith have had kind of gotten away from really what is a part of, of our heritage. So, mm-hmm. you know, this, this, is, this is walking on holy ground, this kind of conversation that we're having. You are absolutely right. And, and it really is when you get into other cultures, and like you said, especially the Jewish faith, they do have so many like, like celebrations of these rites of passage where they mark, you know, becoming a woman and becoming a man and, and what all that means. And, you know, it, 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 it is so significant. And like you said, and it's something that's talked about and passed on. And we tend to just live for the day and don't think in terms and um, and going back to what does that look like to start celebrating these things with our children and not celebrating, um, I mean, so celebrating the significant things, you know, in life and marking that. And, you know, and, and I, I think a lot of us don't because we don't know, well, what could that look like and, and how yeah. do you do that? And, but just engaging. So what you guys are doing, it's making, like you said, simplifying and, and creating clarity where it's like, okay, you can do this. And it is, it isn't, um, you know, actually it's an honor as parents that we get to do this with our children, yeah. like a yeah. duty yeah. and not something we have to do and check it off. But what a great honor to pass that on and to see a legacy being created. And even I think for a lot of us to see that you can change a legacy because so many of us don't have um, that spiritual legacy in our in our family line or it got broken somewhere, but to know that we can change the conversation and we can start creating a new legacy, um, starting with ourselves and with our children and watching kind of that family tree take off in a new direction and, and really be fruitful in a whole different way. Well, we're going to have to take a break. And we just so appreciate both of you guys coming on this conversation. This is so significant. And just to empower and equip parents and to see maybe their parenting through a different lens and just the impact that we can have and, and, and that will affect generations. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Girlfriended on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriended. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. 
We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. heard of the five second rule you know where if you spill some food on the floor and manage to snatch it up within five seconds it's okay to eat but is it really safe according to experiments by webmd all food that falls on the floor gathers bacteria no matter how quickly it's picked up it does help however if both the floor is clean and the food is dry but if you spill some ma wallop that's messy food like a chili dog or spaghetti you should think twice before snuffing it up and eating it I think plain old rumble gumption should tell us to forget the five-second rule and just consider any food that hits the floor cag-mag or unfit for human consumption. At my house, if any food should fall on the floor while we're eating, you can bet our dog's going to get it within five seconds anyway. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, we are back with Dr. Jim Burns and Jeremy Lee. and We went on to a commercial break just talking about the simplicity of traditions and having that that practice um, faith in your lives with your kids to keep that legacy going. And their new book, Pass It On, draws its inspiration from Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6, 4 through 9, on loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And in so many times, I, I love the conversation that we're taking that was taking place, just talking about other faiths, other religions. They will have this, this passage. Um, the, the traditions. And I think as listeners, that can be overwhelming because you start going, well, wait, I don't have the, the traditions in my home or I don't have this, this huge passage, you know, at 13 years of age where my child has this celebratory event that takes place. And so my question to you guys would be, how can you, when you, when you talk about do the simple so kids can practice their uh, faith in their lives, what are some of those simple things of practicing faith? I know in my family, um, we kind of laugh because it's like my big fat Greek wedding. It's very chaotic. and But we have so many just little traditions that take place, even down to when we, you know, gather together during holidays. We will break up in groups of three and pray together. So all the way from, you know, two years of age, all the way up until 60, you know, people are coming together and, and they're praying. So that's a tradition that you can start just right now. What would be some more of those tips? And I know you talk about them in your book. Sure. I, you know, we, we have identified one for each year. And the reason why we chose the rites of passage as kind of the vehicle for this was because in our culture, we don't really do well at all uh, at this. Uh, you think about it. How does a child know that they're an adult in our culture today? Uh, most of the time, it's when they get a driver's license. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes it's the loss of virginity is when they feel like they're an adult. Um, but the reality is we don't have a good way of communicating to a teenager or to a child that you are now a full-grown adult. Or, or really what a rite of passage is intended to do 
is to invite them to something greater than themselves, uh, like faith and family and those important things. But really what we do is when we throw the big Sweet 16 party and we give them a car and all of those kind of things, we're inviting them back to themselves. And, you know, that's why we have a generation that's characterized by narcissism and entitlement, right? You know, so we don't, we don't want that. So when we talk about these shared spiritual experiences that families can have each year, you know, what we're doing is we're saying, think about the times when you bring out the cameras and you invite family over and you celebrate with your child some kind of major transition. And then let's find a way to infuse faith into that moment. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and really, we did. We knew that there was no way this was going to work unless we made it as simple as possible for parents. That's why we wrote the book in such a way where we gave them – we even wrote scripts. All they had to do was read. Uh, we made things like Mad Libs that they just had to fill in because we wanted it to be simple and easy. And if we could combine that with significance, we knew we had something. Um, so, And as far as which ones they are, I'll be happy to go through the list if you want. Do you want me to – Sure. All right. So I'll go. I'll, I'll go as fast as I can. In kindergarten, it's an invitation to generosity, where they have a family mission project. In first grade, it's an invitation to responsibility, where they get a blessing box because uh, w- they're entering elementary years, and the adults in their lives bless them and call them responsible. Uh, in second grade, it's an invitation to the Bible because they're beginning to read. And so friends and family mark a, mark a Bible with their favorite passages and present them to the child. In third grade, it's an invitation to rhythm because they're starting to get more involved in extracurricular activities. So they receive a timepiece and learn about the importance of the Sabbath. And in fourth grade, it's an invitation to friendship. Friends are rallied around and uh, asked to give one word to describe the child. And then a piece of art is made, and they're just declared to be a great friend by their friends, which is a beautiful moment message. In fifth grade, it's an invitation to identity, where parents say, uh, give this blessing and saying, we believe God has made you to be uniquely, and then they fill in the blank with, like, one set of, one family said, we believe you to be wise, and they gave them an owl, to a ceramic owl to remember that God had told them to be wise. Then when you enter the teenage years, it's preparation for adolescence where we address puberty. Uh, in the seventh grade, 13th birthday, there's a big family blessing that's offered. In eighth grade, it's purity weekend. Ninth grade, driving contract. Tenth grade, money matters. Eleventh grade, family tree and legacy. And then in twelfth grade, that big finish line, manhood, womanhood ceremony. So now I need to take a breath because that was a lot of talking. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> there you go. There's the list. Well, you know, you guys talk about the three M's in life. And um, can you kind of explain what those three M's are and um, what influence that parents can have on the three M's in their child's life? Because I think there are those memory markers, you know, like you talked about in the different age and what's age appropriate. And what are those markers that we can that we can recognize and celebrate? So can you explain the three M's? bit the job description of us parents and I'm one of these guys like you talked about who Kathy and I neither one of us came from Christian background and so we became what we call the transitional generation so we didn't know how to do this and these three M's have helped uh, personally Kathy and me over the years uh, and and it stands for mission mate and master and, and mission meaning one of the jobs of parents is to help our kids find purpose now unfortunately some parents try to tell their kids what to do you're gonna be a teacher a doctor a attorney you know whatever and, and instead, it's, it's how do they find purpose? And, and sometimes, I mean, kids aren't going to find purpose at fourth grade, but you're, that's when you start building foundations for them. Um, 
mate, obviously I'd, I'd love to be choosing my kids' mates. So that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. But what about, like Jeremy talked about the, the purity weekend. Well, what we find is that more positive values sex education kids re- uh, give to, or parents give to their kids, the less promiscuous they'll be. So we're preparing our kids to marry, which is really, besides the relationship with God, is the most important relationship you have in terms of generational issues and, and life. And then master. You know, we have a, a, a study that we quote often that says 85% of the people who commit to Jesus Christ commit to him before age 18 or they never will. So that's where parents can be so influential. Now, you know, when kids get to be teens, they're going to rebel or they're going to say church is boring or things like that. But at the same time, when you have these kinds of, of rites of passage experience, kids look back at those even if they're troubled in college or whatever, and they go, wow, that was an important part for us. So it stands for mission, which is your purpose, mate, which is how do you find healthy relationships with the opposite sex, and, and then, of course, master you know, your relationship with God. And that's you know, one of the major things kids are doing is they're developing a relationship with God while they are in the home. And if we don't, unfortunately, there's a whole lot of uh, adults who, who never make that commitment. Only 15% in America make adult conversion, have adult conversions because adults, once they become adults, don't tend to go that way. We obviously have stories of great stories. We have some good friends who did as, as adults, but it's not the norm. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, you're seeing so many that don't really maybe have a, a good foundation in the home of, of, you know, who God really is. And then they get off to college and there's no lack of input and voices uh, telling them, you know, trying to inform them on who God is or isn't, or, you know, and you're seeing the nuns as they call it. And, um, and people just going, I don't even believe this anymore. It's such high records. And which is just, um, it's devastating to think about when we're talking about generational, because how is this going to impact our generation and our, our culture and our society when you have these youth? So how, how do you see that? And even, you know, um, because a lot of you know families or a lot of kids coming into even the teen years or going into college maybe have not lived in a family that was practicing faith. Is it too late? I mean, how do you continue that and encourage that? And maybe families go, you know, I never really thought about leaving a spiritual legacy. It was all more financial and, and different other things we wanted to leave them. How do I start now when I maybe haven't had the conversation since they were kindergarten? I'm just now starting in their teens. What, what would you advise? You, you just start. And what I, a lot of times, uh, you know, kids, especially when you're talking about teens and even young adults or what we would call emerging adulthood, um, a lot of these, these kids appreciate, they want authenticity. So they're not looking for perfect parents. They're looking for parents who will be authentic and for a parent to say, you know what, one of the things I missed along the road, and I now wish I would have done a better job of helping our family have faith conversations, and I know it's kind of awkward, but I'd love to tell you, you know, what I've been going through, bad or indifferent, you know, I mean, in terms of all those things. That's, you're witnessing to your kids in a great way, and you're sharing that with your kids. So, you know, it's never too late. I, I know parents who actually had to apologize. We, we blew that, and in, the apology became... Kids going, well, I love you for, for being real to me, and that's what kids want. So, you know, real isn't, um, isn't bad. The Bible says the man or the woman of integrity walks securely. I'm convinced their kids will walk securely at whatever age. It could be five years old or it could be, you know, 25 years old, but they want parents who are going to be people of integrity. And you make such a great point because it is about being authentic and showing our kids, you know what, I'm sorry I blew it on that, and I wish we had to put more emphasis, but 
but we're going to change it going here. And I think you also communicate to your children that you can change the course at any time. You don't have yeah. to, you know, and so it teaches them so many different level, you know, lessons on so many levels. Well, guys, we just have two minutes and we have to take a break. And we, I, we have to end the show. Thank you both. Cause you both, your, your schedules are jam packed. Um, and we just appreciate you taking the time to honor us and honor our listeners by sharing your insight and, and your time in the, just the minute we have left, both of you, how do people find you and what is it that, um, you know, you want to leave anything else with the legacy of even pass it on your book. Well, I'll start then, Jeremy. We had the awkward silence of radio. And by the, <laughs> the way, thank the you for your pause. patience. Thank you for your patience doing live radio with uh, me being on a cell phone uh, at the Dana Point Harbor in California. I literally was on a walk. I missed the time. I'm so sorry. But anyway, so sorry for the bad radio transmission. I would simply, uh, people can go to HomeWord. That's home and then WORD.com. It's a great ministry. Uh, we do wonderful things. We have lots of uh, free input for stuff that people can get as well as uh, we're the largest provider of parenting seminars in the U.S. We'll do three in the next uh, 24 hours. Um, and uh, we do, we do uh, in fact, David Lynn was one of our, our, our uh, 27 uh, speakers in that. But anyway, it's a great, uh, a great ministry, homeward.com, and uh, that's how they can find us. And I would just simply say it's never too uh, late to begin, never too early to start. And, uh, you know, it might be awkward, but, you know, give it a shot. And, uh, and I also will give a shout out for Jeremy and then he can say it, but, you know, parentministry.net is a great, great organization that's helping churches, uh, do family ministry in a wonderful way. So Jeremy, take it over. And Jeremy, yeah, you have so 20 well, seconds you. to take it over. <laughs> awesome. I would just remind folks they can grab the book at amazon.com, uh, pass it on and be such an honor if they would uh, I love this book because it's a book you don't just read, it's a book you use for for a long time in your home to help pass on faith to your kids. Well, thank you guys so much. Have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, thanks. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend It, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the 